Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus, again in reply, spoke to the chief priests and the elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. Second time, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves are fattened and cattle killed. Everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, Destroy those murderers and burn their city. Then the king said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads, and invite to the feast whomever you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all that they found, the bad and the good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. He said to him, My friend, how is it that you've come in here without a wedding garment? He was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and his feet and cast him into the outer darkness, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There are these um, last lines to the parable pericopes that uh, I, I think Jesus actually just intends to scare the hell out of you, even if you don't know what he's saying. Many are invited, but few are chosen. I mean, on the one hand, the king seems like kind of a psycho, right? Like, he keeps inviting people to this feast that clearly have no interest in coming to the feast, and then when they tell him, in every way possible, I don't want to come, he burns down their house. It's a bit like that girl in high school that always wanted you to take her to prom. No, it's not quite like that. <laughs> but it is this thing that happens, right, where, where like, our expectations don't match and our desires aren't always set aright. And then, then you have this thing with the wedding garment, which just seems so bizarre. I mean, I've always come from pretty simple folk, um, and, and I know there were times we weren't quite dressed for the occasion. That's half the reason I dress the way that I do now, because at least then I'll look goofy, but honest. But, but what is this guy doing, getting thrown out into the outer darkness, where there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth, because he's not dressed right? I mean, surely Jesus prefers us in jeans and tennies all the time, right? 
It's not about the clothes. I think you gathered that. The tradition, right, is going to look at the state of soul. What we often talk about in terms of state of sin and the state of grace. Now, there are times that that language, I think, can, um, can confuse as though this state is immediately obvious to everybody else on the outside looking in. And I spent a lot of hours in the confessional with people who have a hard time telling whether they are, in fact, in a state of grace or not. That's not so much the idea. But what is the idea is um, what the church calls disposition. Disposition. Are we disposed to receive grace? Are we situated in a place where we can receive grace? You can come to the confessional and you can confess all your sins in number and kind perfectly, but still be so attached to them that the grace is going to bounce off like bullets off Superman's chest. Or you can come into the confessional kind of addled and not sure what's going on, but genuinely repentant of your sins, muck up the act of contrition and not be sure what you're supposed to do next, and come out clean as a whistle. The same thing is perhaps even more true here. We can come on days where our minds are scattered and our hearts disrupted, and yet if we're genuinely open to the grace that God has to give, we can leave transformed bigger and better than when we came in. Or we can come in so sure of ourselves and our own piety and absolutely prepared to tell tell God exactly what he needs to do and when and why, because we're really in charge, (laughs) and that grace just rolls off like water off a duck's back. Don't make yourself impervious to grace. The real lesson in the parable for me, at least tonight, is that those that we expect to get it often never do. And those whom we might never expect turn out to be the saints who save us.